My name is Joyce Strong, and this is my story. I'm currently 17 years old, and this is somewhat of a surprising thing for me to say out loud. Because the truth is, I didn't think I would live to be 17. I didn't think I would be here, sitting in this couch in my basement, finally healed and strong enough to share my story. At this point, I want to give out a trigger warning because I'm about to go into depth about what I went through and how I healed from it. So if any of this will trigger you, I advise you to stop listening. I was inspired to make this podcast because if you didn't know already, April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. This year, a handful of girls that I know personally have come forward and shared their experiences with sexual assault. And I think I'm ready to share mine. To be clear, the reason why I'm recording this podcast is not for attention or sympathy or pity. I'm doing this because I hope that for anyone else who has been through the same or a similar experience, I want you to know that you're not alone. There is a community of survivors who are here to support you, and I believe that the first step towards change is awareness. So it's important for me to do my part by sharing my story. Um, it's the end of January 2019, 1am, almost 1am, it's actually 12.55, and um, I'm recording this because I think that talking everything out and recording this will help me feel better about everything that's happened. Today is April 8th, and it's 12.26am. It's been two years, four months, and nine days since I was raped. The recording you just listened to was from two years ago, a month after it happened. To be clear, I meant to say January of 2020, not 2019. At the time, I wasn't thinking straight, and I got the dates mixed up. I'm going to be honest, I'm really scared right now. It's taking me a lot of courage to talk about this. Although I have him blocked on every platform, I'm still scared he'll somehow find this. He also has my address, and that's one of the reasons I've been so scared with coming forward with my story. But now that I'm older and years have passed, I've also realized I have nothing to hide. I'm going to share my experience because this event that lasted for two, maybe three hours, changed my life forever. And I want other people to be able to live without fear and to be able to find the strength and courage to open up as well. On December 30th, 2019, I met up with a boy in California. He was a senior at the time, and I was a sophomore. I was young and naive, and I was both nervous and excited to meet him because he was one of my best friends. We went to a beach where we decided to get drunk. Because I was so nervous, I ended up drinking more than I ever wanted to. As a result, I was not conscious of my surroundings, and I was not in control. The day went on, and he started to make advances on me. I've blocked out a lot of the memories, but this is what I can remember. I remember trying to kick him off of me but my head was spinning so hard that I had to lie back down and accept what was happening. 
I remember the sun shining into my eyes and the sounds of the ocean being overwhelming in my ears. I remember the feeling of sand slipping beneath my feet, getting up but tripping because I couldn't walk straight. I remember the taste of whiskey in my mouth and standing up to go to the bathroom where he wanted to have sex. I remember remembering the looks on the faces of the strangers I passed on the walk to the bathroom and that the condom was yellow. I remember a man banging on the door, threatening to call the police, and my parents showing up, and I remember throwing up everywhere. And then nothing. This is a story of what happened that day, but this isn't my story. I want this episode to be less about what happened and more about my healing process and what I did to cope. That is my story. Because I'm not defined by what happened to me. Instead, I choose to be defined by how I grow and how I've changed from my experiences. Now, I'm going to share some text receipts of some messages I received from my friends after I opened up to them. While I know that this isn't true for all rape survivors, this is what was true for me. And it's the fact that my friends simply did not understand what had happened. Now, these conversations are screenshots that I had to dig through years worth of pictures and videos to find. They no longer exist on my phone, so I can only read to you what it says in the screenshot. Keep in mind that although I can't provide the full context of these conversations, I hope you can understand the pain I felt after after receiving them. This is how the first conversation reads. I said on January 2nd, I don't remember any of it. This is what my friend said in response. You're telling me he forced you to drink. I said, no, I did that by myself. And my friend said, and what happens when you drink alcohol alone with a boy? The guy gets horny and I'm sure you do too. Sure, you can press charges for rape and everything, but in the end, you drink that alcohol and put yourself in that vulnerable position. Joyce, you're too naive. This is how the second conversation reads. I said, I don't know what to say to that. And this is how my friend replies. Joyce, it was a very traumatic time and you cried a lot and still are and I know that. I know that it's hard thinking about what happened, but also I heard that he asked you several times if you wanted it and you were expecting it coming to the beach. This may be false, but it's also his side of the story. Like how your side is important, his side is too. Joyce, I think this is regret. A heavy load of regret. If you're saying rape, you need to be 110% sure because that title comes with a lot of horrid consequences. Someone killed themselves because they were falsely accused of rape and our friend knew their family personally. Joyce, think long and hard about what you're saying. To say the least, I was utterly confused. I was in deep pain and denial. And as a result, I turned to Reddit for support. I asked Reddit, how am I supposed to feel after being raped? I'm gonna let that sink in. How is one supposed to feel after being raped? The truth is, there is no right answer. There is no correct way to feel after being violated. 
You simply feel pain, loss of it. And while these wounds might never truly heal, as time passes, you simply grow stronger. You show yourself how even when so much is taken away from you, what cannot be taken away is the freedom to fight. This is a quote from page 65 of the book, Man's Search for Meaning. And it's a book that I truly recommend everyone should read. It says, They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. My wounds were still fresh when I read this quote, but it gave me hope. This quote showed me that I was not weak or broken or destined to be damaged goods for the rest of my life. Because no matter what, no matter how much pain and suffering and isolation that I went through, I knew that I still had power. I had power to rise above my circumstances, and this power was mine. It was something that nobody could ever take away from me. And I think that the most beautiful fact, the most beautiful thing about this fact is that it holds true for everyone. Everybody is born with the power to choose their own way in life. That was the first step of my healing process. Realizing that I had the power to choose my own way in life. Then in March 2020, quarantine happened. The stay-at-home order was enacted. Most of my friends were not supportive. My parents were not supportive. I tried RAIN, I tried the online suicide hotline, and yet I received radio silence. I never even got past fourth in line on the wait list. Nobody was there. I felt utterly alone. I'm including this in my podcast because my loneliness, my isolation is a fact and it defined my healing process. I needed a support system, but I didn't have one. And I began to lose hope. I sent a text once to a friend that I had reached a point where the state that I was existing in was worse than living. Because in a sense, I wasn't living. I was breathing, sleeping, eating, and crying. Right now, I would like to pause in sharing my story and say what needs to be said. Yes, I did not receive much support for what I endured, but I also did not know of anyone that had went through any forms of sexual assault or rape at the time. Again, this is why I'm making this podcast, to show that sexual assault and rape are events that sadly are not uncommon. The more people that share their stories, the less alone other survivors will feel. I hope that I can help other people feel less lonely once they know that they are not the only people feeling the pain that comes with being violated like that. I also want to take the time to get this off of my chest. I internalized so much of what I was told by my friends and even my family. It was as if because I drank, I deserved to get raped. Because I made a bad decision, I deserved to get my innocence taken away. But that is so, so wrong. I was 15. I was a minor. And most importantly, I was not in control of my surroundings. I was not able to give consent. How can you give consent 
if you're not able to walk in a straight line. Here's what I wish I knew when I was trying to process my trauma. It wasn't my fault. It was not my fault. It is never the victim's fault. I was told that it happened because I was wearing a bikini and that if I wasn't such a slut, it wouldn't have happened in the first place. One of my friends told me to stop being a fucking pussy about it. Another said that at least I knew I was attractive now because he wouldn't have raped me if I wasn't. And later, my rapist who lived states away from me was contacted by a friend to ask for confirmation. She wanted to know if I was telling the truth. And when my rapist messaged me, this is what he told me. He said, I needed to know what rape really means. He said, I was jealous that I couldn't be with him. He said, accusing someone of rape was cruel and that I was scum and that I was fucking sick. He said, I didn't even deserve to be raped. I hope you can understand now why it is so hard for me to share this. It's like a part of me still believes that none of it was real, that I was overreacting, that I am overreacting. And because of all of this, I shut down. I try to deal with my trauma by forgetting. I try to block everything out, but I couldn't do that. I had to process my trauma whether I liked it or not. I was diagnosed with PTSD later that year, and I suffered from recurring nightmares and flashbacks, some that I even had at school. It's 6.28, and I just had a really bad nightmare about what happened. I think my brain is trying to get me to remember the events, so maybe I could get closure. But I can't, and now what I'm forced to deal with is some fucked up, like, dreams and nightmares about him that I have to go through over and over again and it's like recurring and I don't know um, yeah now two years later I hope you can learn from the mistakes that I made I spent so long trying to erase him from my memory and all that I did was make the nightmares and flashbacks even worse I learned that the process of healing through trauma takes persistent effort. In movies where a character experiences something traumatic, they can quickly overcome their challenges, but these films really rarely show the process they have to go through after to be able to fully recover. The way I view it, trauma is like homework. It's a tangible task that has to be done before you're able to truly move on. I lost sight of who I was but I was able to rebuild my identity through reaching inside of my innermost self in order to be able to heal. I was scared, broken, and vulnerable, but I took my pain and transformed it into something beautiful through journaling, writing short stories, and art. This is how I found peace and solace. For anyone listening who relates to anything I've mentioned so far, I urge you to find solace in three ways. One, through the things you're passionate about. Two, through opening up to the people you know you can trust. And three, through professional help. I would be lying if I said that therapy did not help me. It took me a while to trust my therapist, but when I finally put my faith into her, 
I was also putting faith into myself. I was letting myself trust again. And by doing so, I was already taking a huge step in my healing process. Recovering from my rape was the hardest thing I ever had to do. But this is how I did it. I recognized that, like I mentioned before, I had the power to choose my own way in life. That's not to say that it wasn't messy. Of course, my healing process was messy. I'm human. And it wasn't only messy, but it was also ugly and sweaty and dehumanizing. It was entire days spent in bed, unshowered, matted hair, swollen eyes, and nights spent staring at a singular spot on my ceiling with no energy to move. I did a lot of thinking in this time, and although it took me a while, this is what I've realized. I'm a woman, and I'm my own person. These are two facts about my identity. And I wasn't put on this earth simply to suffer. I was given a life, a fate, a destiny, and I wouldn't let that be destroyed by anyone or anything else. And that is also a fact. I had to tell myself things I didn't believe until I believed them. Firstly, despite everything that I was told, I had to believe that it wasn't my fault. Furthermore, I had to tell myself that I deserved more than, in, more than an existence limited to suffering, that I could become more than the shell of the person that I was at the time. And in a way, I empowered myself. My rapist broke me, but I put myself back together, piece by piece. I was almost consumed by my depression and PTSD, but I never let myself forget that life wouldn't throw anything at me if it was something that I couldn't handle. Every day, it got easier. Every day, it gets easier. It gets easier to wake up, to shower, to eat, to take care of myself. It gets easier to give and receive love and smile from genuine happiness and to move and laugh and live for the purpose of enjoying life. And the most important thing that I want you to know is that before all of this, I was just an average person. I was just another mundane high school student, just another girl who had no idea the amount of strength that I was capable of. And the thing is, my strength isn't unique. It's what I was born with. And it's what I believe everybody was born with. In other words, if I did it, you can too. I rose above my circumstances and changed the ways I went about my life. I was a victim, but I was also a survivor. I let myself feel my pain and used it as fuel for self-improvement. I knew that I was not defined by my rape, but rather by how I chose to overcome it. And simply by recognizing this, I enabled myself to enjoy a certain type of freedom. I saw my pain as an opportunity for progression. And this is how I have elucidated my definition of strength. The ability to move forwards through hardship by choosing growth. My DMs are always open at JJOYCEZHA on Insta. I am always more than happy to be there for any other survivors. And if it's one thing that I want you to take away, it's that you're not alone. And with that, I would like to close this podcast. Thank you for listening this far. And thank you for letting me share my story.